everyone, and welcome to the Isn't It Lovely podcast, the podcast where we seek to shine the light on all that is lovely. I am Tracy. And I am Rachel. And today we had on the podcast, Faith Carlson, who is a counselor with Victus Counseling and Nutrition Services. And Trace, we learned today that Victus is actually the only dedicated eating disorder recovery clinic in the state of South Dakota, which actually was shocking to me. It's really unbelievable. And we are so blessed to have them here and their services. She talked so much about her advocacy up in DC, just changing how insurance covers eating disorders and nutrition. We also talked about how we can talk to our children about surrounding food and exercise. And it was just a fantastic resource. Absolutely. We're so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. We also just wanted to give a trigger warning that obviously we talk pretty openly about eating disorders and recovery. So just take care while listening. Faith, we have a statistic here that I was really excited to sort of fact check with you. According to the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders, eating disorders are among the deadliest mental illnesses, second only to opiate overdose. And I read this and I was just so stunned by this. So would you please be willing to go into this particular statistic and how eating disorders fall under the category of mental illness and just sort of how we define that just so we can all start the conversation with like shared working knowledge? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. On, on that statistic, that's an accurate statistic. And it's a number one cause of death second to opioid because of two reasons. It's going to be in part suicides that are, are um, occurring, but also uh, medical complications. So you're looking at like um, organ failure, things of that nature that are happening. And so when we when we think about, about that statistic, those are the two things that we're actually addressing um, in this diagnosis. Um, and when you think of also the diagnosis and criteria, like uh, the umbrella of eating disorders and those who know me recognize, like, I don't like the word disorder. I always like to use that recovery. And, and it's because of like stick you know, labels and such. And I think of when we're working with eating recovery, I think of, um, the, the, um, diagnosis which it's typically it's anorexia, nervosa, bulimia, um, uh, ARFID, which is, um, uh, uh, a restrictive eating, um, with textures and such. And then we'll have, over 50% will actually be atypical anorexia nervosa, which is um, a BMI factor, meaning individuals can be restricting and it won't appear at a lower BMI below a certain number that would require maybe a, a, a traditional diagnosis. So when you think about um, the medical complications, you don't want to think about weight. You really want to think about the mental severity of it and uh, overall health. Uh, Colorado is the one state that actually just changed within the last 60 days um, that higher level care is not based on weight. It's actually based on your heart rate and based on um, heart rate and EKG um, medical medical. Uh, labs, they're looking at that, which is what we really want to be monitoring and watching for for interventions um, when we're looking at higher level care needs and and eating disorders. Wow. Okay. So I want to go back to what you said, Faith. In Colorado, they're changing it. So they're not just going off of weight with eating disorders. So how would they find it then? Great question. Um, And the reason is, is because I think nationally, histor- historically, right? We've always looked at BMI as a, as a medical factor in health. And when we, when we really want to look at that, that's kind of an archaic way of, of measuring an individual's uh, overall functioning and health. Um, there's cases that um, we've studied that there's uh, higher weighted individuals that would maybe look at um, being obese, but they're actually restricting. I always say starvation is starvation. So when you're not getting enough in intake, energy intake, 
your your body is going to respond that way. And so Colorado being the first state to actually recognize that and change it, we kind of say that they're kind of like the, the Mayo Clinic in Colorado in, in, in the sense that they're um, a lot further along in eating recovery research. They have um, the Eating Recovery Center. Um, they have Acute Denver, the only, the only hospital in the nation that helps with the palliative care parts of um, eating disorders. And so medically, you'd be looking at, yeah, heart rate, EKGs. Um, you'd be looking at labs. Um, I always say, you know, labs are a snapshot and it doesn't mean you're not well. It's just one picture in one moment. So when you look at labs and it's like, oh, everything looks fine. It's like, not, let's not lean into that. You know, let's really look at overall functioning, personal functioning, social functioning, uh, academic, occupational functioning, uh, memory, you know, just these things that they're nuances. And I think that that's what we're really watching for. And, and you'll see it. You'll start to see, I mean, isolation, every, the world falls apart, really, you know, for these individuals that are struggling with this. So you, I love how you your phrasing is eating recovery versus eating disorder. I love that change in language. Now, we've also heard the term disordered eating. Yeah. Is that, can you talk about that? The difference between what we're talking about here yeah. and disordered eating? You know, it's, it's fascinating um, because I always think in pictures. So when I think of this, I think of, you know, uh, disordered eating. Um, everybody, I, I don't, I guess I don't like the word all or, or everybody, but most individuals have disordered eating, meaning, you know, we'll maybe uh, miss a lunch because we get really busy. So we have breakfast and dinner or we'll have, you know, um, we'll be on the airplanes, right? Like flying from one side of the state to, you know, another space and, and we'll miss a spot. So it kind of disorganized. Think of disordered as disorganized. Mm. Think of it in that sense. And there isn't any impact on functioning because it's disorganized, meaning men Mental health is, you know, stable, um, overall health, you know, and, and when I say health, it's going to be energy, sleep quality, that aspects of it. it it's, it's stable, right? So disorganized kind of, we think of like, yeah, after you do laundry or something and it's like, okay, what, what are we dealing with here? You know, and they got to put it kind of back in order, kind of reorganize it. That can very easily lead into an eating disorder when it's triggered by, let's say a pandemic, if it's triggered by stress, if it's triggered by a job change, marriage, college graduation, disordered eating can easily move over to what can I have control over? I feel out of control. I feel like I can control this and it gets almost hyper fixated. And then that's where it's like, now we got rules. Now we got rigidity. Now we got restriction. Now we got, you know, an impact that we can't get out of, you know, and that's where, that's where we'd get into to more of that leaning into the eating disorder end of the spectrum. This is so fascinating. I love your use of the word spectrum. I think yeah. just like so many other things, we've realized that this is a continuum. So Faith, what do we do when there's people in our lives who we deeply love and we suspect that maybe this is going on in their lives? What do you suggest? What is the approach? Because it's such a sensitive area and we want to be tender and respectful. And my guess is it has to be people that you're already in deep relationship with because we can't, like you said, it's a snapshot. We can't just yeah. walk up to a person on the street that we're worried about and yeah. say... Yeah. Is there something I'm going concerned, on? Right? Yeah, I'm concerned. So what would you recommend to those of us who have people that we deeply love and care about that we suspect that maybe are going to need some help in this area? The number one thing, and I would say this, you know, at any point with anyone at any stage, never lose hope. Do not ever lose hope. Um, you will hold the hope for the person. You will hold the hope for yourself. You will hold the hope through the process. Never lose hope. I think that there's no perfect way to even begin the conversation. There's, there's, um, there's not even, a, there's not a manual. I've had individuals say, just tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to help, how to fix this. And it's like, there isn't, there isn't a, a linear process. Um, it's, it's, holding space for not understanding. Um, there was a quote that was published in a book that said, I don't need my family to understand. I need them to believe me. And I think that that's the biggest piece because this isn't something that 
family systems, friends can really understand. If I could say, you know, we're talking about an eating disorder, but if I could say, if we could take the food, move it out of the picture, does it really have to do with food? So when you hear statements like just eat, uh, just why can't you just do this? Now, when that's being said, it's being said out of concern, anxiety, worry. Okay, well, the individual that's working through this is already dealing with concern, anxiety, and worry. And so when that, that language is used, it's, you're really wrestling with a, a, a mental health. You're really, it's like, like telling somebody who's having a panic attack, just don't have a panic attack. Just don't do that. You know, and it's like, if it was a switch, I tell, I tell families and, and individuals all the time, people do not wake up and choose to do this and have this every day. It doesn't give you a break. It's not two days out of the week. It's not three days out of the week. It's seven days a week. And it doesn't get quiet in the mind. It doesn't slow down. It's, 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 it, it's, it's, it's average years of recovery. Seven years is the average years. And when we say recovery, no, I say recovery, not recovered. And so we're looking at how do we get back organized and consistent with, with meals because we're, we're looking at a lot of genetic traits involved in this too. I love what you said about if you take the food out of it, it still is going to be there. So what yeah. you just said of like putting it back, being organized, you know, they're healthy, they're eating their, they're eating what they're supposed to do in, in terms of portions and whatnot. Yeah. But what does the mental aspect look like? Like what, I love this. I love what you're talking about because I don't think a lot of people know that it's a mental illness. Correct. I think that's really important. Yes. So what is the thought process? Like, What are you hearing? What is it in their mind mm -hmm. that is keeping them so captive? It, it, I was so curious about that. Um, again, as someone who thinks in pictures, my mind could not, I, I could only imagine what, what they're going through. And so I, I did a ton of research on this, on what's really happening in the mind. Um, and the best analogy I can use is if you had, well, we have smartphones now. So it's, if you had recorded on a smartphone, um, your voice, but then put in there, you know, all these really negative, critical self-statements. So you're being a bully to yourself, they say. So you're just saying all these really critical, hateful, hurtful statements. Now put headphones on and hit play. Now play that all day long. And that's exactly what's going on in the mind. The mind is literally um, berating. It's, it's controlling. It's, it's, it's these, that inner voice, that inner thought is really turned inward. And it's kind of like saying this benchmark. If you do this, then you follow the rules. It's gotten quieter. It doesn't go away, but it's gotten quieter. Well, the rules might be not eating. It might be compulsive exercise. It might be um, being secretive. It might be, you know, um, hiding, hiding foods or, or, and I want to speak to this too, is overeating, um, binge eating. Binge eating was just added to our medical diagnosis about five years ago, four or five years ago, um, with a DSM five. And it's a spectrum, just like we said, like this spectrum is one that can move from restrictive to higher eating. Um, we're working with the same thing here. This isn't, you know, when we think of uh, higher weighted individuals and binge eating, we're still working with anorexia. It's the same voice in the mind. It's the same. It's just presenting in a different uh, uh, essence. It's presenting in a different presentation just a little bit. And, and it's very transdiagnostical, which means we can move from one like anorexic to bulimic to anorexic to binge eating to bulimic. So it moves around. And that's why you look at this as so complex. Think of having a flu and a virus, and then all of a sudden you have an ear infection. And then you go, oh, I got a sinus infection and then a, a sore throat, you know? And so how it moves, but it might be just that one virus that's moving it around and presenting in different ways. So again, when you look at it as a spectrum in that presence. 
Thank you so much for the language that you use and for these word pictures. They are so, so helpful. And I wanted to pivot for a second and I'm going to date myself here (laughs) as a child who came of uh, age of the teen years in the nineties. So at the time, this is obviously a very problematic expression, but heroin chic was sort of the phrasing in fashion magazines at the time. So we had magazines, certainly these sort of issues have been around for a long time. But of course now, as we all know, we're in the age of social media. Absolutely. And we all have children. We, I think, specifically talk about teenage girls, but we know that this is not limited to two girls, that yeah. this is for all, all yeah, humans. Every, yeah. Yep. All humans created can experience this. So, what would you say are some safeguards we can have with social media as yeah. sort of this very, could be very triggering? And how do we protect ourselves? And how do we protect for those of us with children? coming of age, what would you recommend? Because it feels like it's so prevalent. Absolutely. And I think that we want to recognize um, there are no boundaries. There are no safeguards on social media. Okay. There's no way to go in there and turn things off, you know, and um, they're looking at the research shows there's evidence-based research out there. People are welcome to go out there and look it up. There's evidence that shows social media has an influence on eating disorders influence. So recognizing that, you know, if you're if you're struggling with an addiction of some sort and you have access to seeing that, you're going to get triggered, right? And it's going to hold that. And so the the biggest piece I could say, and I take this advice for myself, even for my my daughters, is you need to become social media literate. You need to go on and learn as much as you can about this. And you go and buy that cell phone. That cell phone store is not telling you this information. That uh, cell phone agent isn't telling you this information. The manual for the phone isn't telling you this information. When you download Snapchat and you download these different websites, it's not telling you this information. And so you have to go out there and you have to self-educate yourself. It's not being talked about in the schools. The kids aren't getting educated about this. Um, This generation is the first generation that grew up with big tech, right? And having access to this. And we see the, the, the implications of this. They're when I use the word body dysmorphia, it's thinking of their image. Our brains can see ourselves in pictures. It can't see ourselves in paintings. So when we see pictures, we can picture ourselves in that picture. And so when you have individuals that are on social media for hours, we're not talking five minutes, 10 minutes, I mean, even an hour. Think of downloading in your mind images that you're comparing yourself with, that you're competing with, or that you're, and the research shows that. So the best advice I can say is, you wouldn't let a stranger in your house. That cell phone and that social media is a stranger. And you need to learn everything about it. You know, you wouldn't drop your kids off at just some house to watch your kid. You would learn about who it is, where they're going, who's watching them. That's what that phone is. That phone is a stranger and it's somebody that's going to have access to your kid. And that's not to scare people, but I just, you know, as someone who's a parent of teenagers and young adults, it's, it's something that you have to really, really self-educate on. That is just spectacular advice. And I do think in some essence, we need to be a little bit scared yeah, and yeah. treat it, like you said, like a stranger. Yeah, Allowing that access to our children is such a big deal. So on this same note, a lot of our listeners are parents yeah. of, you know, male and females alike. And we've heard a lot about like, okay, how we talk about our body as parents matters. Absolutely. And the things that if we're dieting, if we're restricting, they're noticing, they're noticing that we're not eating the same things mm-hmm. as them if we aren't. Can you talk about that a little bit? How do we do it in a healthy manner when we're talking about food and exercise with our children? 
That's a great question as well, because I think that's a big piece. I mean, when we look at triggers and, and, and parents, absolutely, they don't, the intention isn't to trigger their own kids, right? But when you look at medical profession professionals triggering them, um, social media triggers, all these different elements, um, you really want to think about this has uh, one piece I want to say is uh, the, the statistics and the, the reality of this is we're recognizing more and more there's a genetic component, um, just like there can be with organic depression or organic anxiety. Um, we have organic eating disorder, you know, percentages, three to 6% of the population will struggle with this. Um, and so when I bring that into the perspective, the likelihood that there's somebody in the family system that's maybe working through their own disordered eating or eating disorder is very real. And maybe they've never even addressed that. And I would just say to all the listeners, you know, there's no shame in that. You're, you're obviously getting your kids or your, you know, um, family member into support because there's some level of empathy and understanding. And for them to heal, transparency is the biggest thing. And I think that, you know, when there's a change in family systems, if if there's a genetic element and a great grandma and a grandma and a aunt or, you know, it's in that system, you're asking, you're asking your child to change the family system. You're asking that that person to make choices and different changes that is going to improve their quality of life, but still live in a place in a system that endorses the disorder. So I, I would challenge, you know, um, I would challenge family systems. I would challenge family um, boundaries, healthy boundaries. Check yourself, honestly. I mean, you, you can't ask your 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 minor child to do something and then turn around and restrict yourself. You can't you know, make negative body comments to yourself and not expect your your child to hear that and trigger them. Um, compulsive exercise. I, I don't even like the word exercise. And I think you can tell I've been in the in the fields to this length that I, I call it movement. I mean, I remember when you're younger and you're playing kickball, you love movement. I don't know where it came to no pain, no gain. It, it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> and so I think that movement should be fun. I feel like it should be enjoyable. It should be less stress. I think if you have shame and guilt in anything, shame and guilt with food, shame and guilt with exercise, shame and guilt with appearance, that's not quality of life. That's that's imbalanced. That's harmful. And so again, when I go back to the family systems, I think that it's be mindful of your words. Watch what you're saying. Check yourself. I mean, again, your kids know. I mean, they know. I'll, I'll just be transparent with that. They know and they see it. And their mind has to almost tell themselves, how, how do I recover? And at the same time, recognize I'm living in a space that's endorsing this or my aunts are doing, you know, my cousins, like the, my family system. And, and it, they get therapy. My sessions are 45 to 60 minutes. Okay. So if they get therapy once a week, think of that time and the time that they're spending in these other areas that they, they reside in. I'm so fascinated by your use of the word too. When we talked about shame and guilt or, or perhaps like punishing exercise, yeah. and these are such oppressive terms, but yeah. what is so beautiful about you and the work that you're doing is we started out talking about hope and yes. we've been talking about recovery yeah. and I think maybe, I don't think I realized this, that Sioux Falls prior to you and mm -hmm. your business partner did not have a dedicated clinic. So yeah. I would love at this time, if you could share with our listeners about Victus, exactly yeah. what Victus is, what you do, what you offer right here in our town. Absolutely. Um, this is this is something that we recognize is needed in the community. Um, we opened our doors in May and literally um, it's the only location that's um, providing a trained registered dietitian specialized with eating disorders and a therapist that work, work trained with uh, the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, which is an additional two years of education, over 2,500 hours, um, we say certified and, and continuing education. Um, 
that's not located anywhere in South Dakota at all. And it's actually pretty rare in the United States when you start to look at who are these trained professionals and to have two of us paired up, you know, and supporting the community um, with us just opening our doors. You know, we have, uh, I love it. I know my my clients and the um, those in eating recovery, I always say good cop, bad cop. The, the dietitian is kind of that bad cop, but we have a, a kitchen in there that um, is really pretty neat because they can um, do food exposures, food access, show them how to, what, what balance meals and such. So we have that right on site, which is really special to us. I mean, we really appreciate that. Um, we have open hour um, 12 to one. Um, free. We offer this free because we wanted to make sure that we offer this to the community. And and I'm very, very um, huge on advocating for underinsured, uninsured, and just that uh, underdog I always advocate for. Um, but they can come in and have lunch supports, meal supports at Victus. So 12 to 1, they can come in. You know, they just need somebody. The dietitian's in there. They monitor the the, the food. They monitor the the room. Um, and that's something that, that's um, offered for supports. We have group counseling. We have individual counseling. Um, we'll be bringing on interns from the colleges in, in the fall to be able to help um, train them and, and get the education. So it's something that we plan to expand right now. It's a private clinic, and, and hopefully the, the goal is to get it into um, intensive outpatient so we can kind of get some um, more intensive hours in there um, within the next hopefully 6 to 12 months. We're really growing pretty quick. It's so incredible that we have this in our town now. So we yeah. just want to say thank you for yeah. following your call to do this. And you touched a little bit about your advocacy and you mentioned to us before we came on that you were just in Washington, DC. Yes. Advocating for this particular thing. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yep. Um, I just came back in um, from um, Washington, DC and being able to advocate with uh, the Department of Labor and, and President Biden actually, and it was on parity. And a lot of clinicians and family members don't even realize this. So this is a great information is parity um, means that mental health should be equal to medical health. If you need to go see a medical doctor, you have access to that. If you need to go see a mental health doctor, you have access to that. There shouldn't be any discrepancies if you need any resources. So um, dietitians aren't um, traditionally covered for eating disorders in insurance. So if you needed a dietitian for supports, you're going to have to pay for that out of pocket because the insurance is going to decline that. That's a parity violation. And the more that we can educate ourselves on weight, my insurance company should be paying for this because if I had diabetes and I went and saw a dietitian for diabetic resources, that would be covered. Um, and so they're, they're aware of that. That's something that um, nationally, again, this is something that is, is why there's such an, a shortage. I think families say, we can't get these specialists. We can't get these providers. Well, these providers aren't getting paid. These providers aren't getting covered. And so the more that we can close these, these barriers, right? We just want to validate that this is a real ongoing discussion nationwide, that they're aware of it at the toppest level. Um, again, parents do not lose hope. Whoever is working through this, don't lose hope. Challenge the insurance companies, ask questions, be curious, always be curious. You're the expert. They work for you. And so to challenge them, you know, and I think that that your voice is what's going to get you to recovery, you know, and that's that's key. And, and that's that's the goal, I think, for um, the work that we've been doing on a, on a national level and, and the advocacy of how can we close, close these loopholes and, and get them the help they need. Right. Wow. That is so astounding to me that there's a barrier that exists and that's a huge barrier. I want to go back to what you said, because I just want to leave our listeners with just like nuggets of practical information too. When we're, you're mentioning parents. So I'm imagining you're seeing a lot of kids perhaps. Yeah. Yep. I think currently it'd be after the pandemic, we saw uh, an influx. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a pandemic of mental health right now. Right. Which makes so much sense. Yeah. What can we be doing as parents specifically in creating a healthy environment for food and movement, yeah. not, not exercise, yeah. movement? Yeah. 
what can we be doing practically? I, I will just admit to you something that I realized that I had to check myself Yeah, is that my husband and I were just always joking about food and we'd be like, Ooh, that's a naughty. Don't do that. Yeah, You know, yeah. like calling food naughty. Yeah. So we've had to strike that from the conversation, obviously. Yeah. So I, I'm repenting to you, yeah. Faith, that I was doing that. Inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So things Made like that. Like, what are some things practically we as parents should say? Okay, no, we need to strike that from our vernacular. Yeah, and and right because you get to be the role model, right? You, yes, you are the role model, right? Yes. And so I, I, I'm. This is going to sound really radical, but when I say this, this is what our dietitians are working on. There's no good food or bad food. There's no labeled food. I, I truly could argue out nutritional value in a piece of candy. Because there is value in that, right? So think of the space of the words you use are very powerful. How you frame your relationship with food is very, very powerful. It's like how you frame your relationship with self-confidence, how you frame your relationship with self-esteem. That is your relationship with food is on that level. So when you think of that space of the language you use, it, it shouldn't be good food, bad food. It shouldn't be it, 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 neutral, as neutral as possible. Um, our culture, we celebrate with food, right? Holidays, all of these things. So when you think about that, it's actually a very, very um, enjoyable experience. And so when we put rules and boundaries and barriers in there, you know, it, it's, it's, it's disrupting that. And that's what our dietitians spend time and time doing is rebuilding that relationship with food. And so as a, as a parent, I think it is going and get an ice cream with your kid in the middle of the week after, you know, and, and making it, it, switching it up, being able to say, Hey, we can have, you know, a snack in, in any part, like at, at any part, we can have treats. We don't have to, we're, yeah, we're, we don't have to have this idea that they're going to go wild and, and just consume all this food and become, you know, extremely unhealthy because our bodies aren't created to do that. It's not, I mean, Health at Every Size is a wonderful book to read. It shows the research on there and it talks about that. There's a study in the younger years where the kids, they, their bodies ask for calcium and iron and they know as, as human beings, we know what we need to survive. And so it's, it's that element of how do we, how do we get out of the way of our bodies knowing what it needs and stop trying to tell it what it needs. Fabulous. I wish that people could be in the room with us right now because your energy yeah. is very positive. Yeah. And everything you've shared today, again, ultimately is helpful. It's very empowering. And I'm just so grateful that you're here and yeah. doing what you're doing and you're educating and you're so passionate about yeah. this. If people want to learn more about Victorus, uh, sorry, excuse me, Victus, yeah. you, what you do, where can people find you all around the web? Honestly, yeah. You just go to our website, um, VictusRecovery.com uh, is our website. And you can send a message over. You can email us. Our emails are on there. Um, you call us. I mean, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. I don't, you know, I think we've, we've been told where Sioux Falls is the best kept secret. And I'm like, well, no, we're just just getting started. Right. And so I think that being able to say, you know, reach out, I, we never want um, individuals to feel alone. You know, we, we are expanding, you know, there's, there's access barriers in our nation anyway, but we save slots on, on uh, Fridays just to provide emergency support interventions. Um, and Hey, let's help you, you know, come in here. Let's, let's get you taken care of. Let's get you in the right direction. So at, at no point I've, I've said this over and over. I've, I've, I've never to the day and for the rest of my career ever turned a patient away. Um, and so it's, it's something that we'll continue to do and to reach out. We want to be able to help because that can create change in our community. Amazing. Thank you so much, Faith. Yeah, thank you. It's hard to pivot into something <laughs> <I know. laughs> as frivolous as about as 
what I'm about to mention. <laughs> pivot. But, pivot. Yeah, we're going to pivot. <laughs> Friends reference. Uh, we end every episode talking about something that we are loving. It could be anything, a product, a food. Yeah. Anything. What are you loving this week, Faith? You know, I am loving... I'm loving my business partner, my co my co founder uh, Lauren, um, and and the inspiration, the joy, the the ability to do uh, the the impossible. So that's that relationship work partnership is huge. Fantastic. We were talking about it off mic, just how amazing <laughs> you said everyone needs a handler. And Rachel and I, we switch off on who's hand, who's handling who today. <laughs> Sometimes both of us need to be handled. Yes, and we're just totally. Really, no we, may, we may need an outside party. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. Probably our husbands. But yes. <laughs> but I love that. Just your partner. I think that's so wonderful. Rachel, what are you loving? Oh my goodness. Okay. And I am so excited about this book, which I am going to give Miss Tracy here all of the credit for. She recommended This Must Be the Place by Jamie Nato. And I don't know if anybody follows her on Instagram. We'll link all of her stuff here. But I actually first discovered her just through, I think also through Tracy. Tracy, basically <laughs> I'm loving you and your recommendations, <laughs> personal influencer, that she would post these fabulous, just really funny videos of like trying on clothes at Target and just kind of like, she's like around our age-ish and kind of just joking about stuff. And it was so great, like this humor, but little did I realize that she's got this really fascinating, deeper story. And she wrote this incredible book, which is sort of part memoir, but part mm -hmm. calling women into the truest versions Dick. of themselves. Authentic. Yes. Yep. Thank you, Faith. Exactly. And realizing that they have specific callings and passions and personality characteristics for a reason and inviting them into that and celebrating that. And so this book, again, really fits the theme here today. It's yeah. just empowering and lovely and wonderful. And I just plowed right through it uh, on Audible. It was fantastic. So I will for sure link it in our show notes, but thank you, Tracy, for introducing me really <laughs> oh to gosh. Jamie Nato because it's it's humor and truth and it's just the total package. She's such a riot. I don't remember who introduced me to her, but she does these things on Instagram where she's trying on clothes at Target. And yeah. that's what hooked me. Literally the funniest thing of, the, <laughs> of my days when she does that. I'm like, I hope Jamie goes to Target this week. <laughs> so funny. I love it. Yeah. It's such a riot. So good. How about you, sweetie? Um, well, mine is not on theme, so I am apologize. <laughs> I love it. Let's mix it up. But it's on theme for my life because my life is a little messy right now. We've got dog stuff and all the things. We're still raising a puppy. I thought by now he would have turned the corner of puppyhood, but no, he is no the worst. Adulting. He is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> he is the worst and the best at the same time. So I shouldn't have to tell you why I need this, but it is the Hoover Power Dash Pet and Compact Carpet Cleaner. <laughs> I need a carpet cleaner with this puppy. You guys, I have like a little one that I've cleaned furniture with and I've mentioned it before for like little spots. But when you have big messes, this mm. thing is unbelievable. Otherwise, I'd be having to call in a carpet cleaner every other week, which that is not in our budget. So this thing is fabulous. I got it on Prime Day. You guys should check it out if you have any carpet cleaning needs. That is amazing. And look at- Send help. Yes. <laughs> and still powerful. It was on brand for not shaming. There was no guilt mentioned. Right. <laughs> right. I did say he was the worst dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he isn't. We're he learning. Isn't. Faith, Faith is helping us. Faith, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute uh, a joy and just an honor to have you here. Oh, absolutely. I'm humbled. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Isn't It Lovely? If you love what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe by clicking on our show in your favorite podcast app and following the prompts. You can download all of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. 
You can also find all of our episodes on our website at www.isitnotlovely.com. And we are also on Instagram and our handle is, is it not lovely podcast. Keep looking for the lovely in all things. Thanks for listening.